0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candice Gibson, joined today, as usual, by staff writer Josh Clark. Hi there, Josh.
1: Hey there, Candice. How are you?
0: I'm fabulous.
1: So, Candice, I'm sure unless you've been living under a rock and, you know, if you're deaf to the timber of Morgan Freeman's voice, you are well aware that the the summer's been all about the Olympics, right?
0: Oh, naturally.
1: So, I mean, the the eyes of the world are on Beijing and China's looking back saying, what are you looking at, you know? Um, I'm looking at
0: your smog.
1: That's right. Yeah, that was was a big deal. Poor China's been very, very heavily criticized since they got the Olympics.
0: They are making a sustained effort to alleviate that, though, I will say.
1: Yeah, they are. I read recently that they have uh, lifted the the internet restrictions mm-hmm. that they had placed on uh, on uh, internet access for journalists who are in the country right now, um, they had promised there would be no internet restriction for journalists, then there was, and then they repealed it. For the rest of the country, it's internet restrictions as usual. Like, you can't get on any site that has anything to do with Tibet, Taiwan, uh, apparently... Um, Amnesty International is not a very uh, easily accessed site over there in China. And so that's one of the reasons why the International Olympic Committee was criticized uh, for giving the the Olympics, the 2008 Olympics, to Beijing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Supposedly, the Olympics are – they're about freedom and humanity coming together and table tennis. You know, that's exactly what the Greeks originally meant it for. As you know, of course – you wrote an article about how the first Olympics work.
0: I did. I and did. Because, when
1: were they held?
0: Oh, gosh. It was like the sixth Put century, the something like that? Um, a long, long time ago. <laughs> okay.
1: so, and they were first held in Olympia.
0: Looks like I need to reread my own article. <laughs> totally. Yes, they were held in Olympia. <laughs> they were held,
1: and they used to compete for olive oil and stuff like that.
0: And and women and hides and lunch for life. True, well, story, you true know, story. You know,
1: You know, the... Uh, the, the Greeks, th- that's just one of many things that is still around in our modern world that we can thank the Greeks for. Um, other things like uh, calculus, theater, uh, astronomy. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that your favorite show, Gossip Girl, it's based on uh, Greek dramatic theory. You realize that, right? I do. That lit degree you have under your belt? You can thank guys like Homer for that, for creating modern literature.
0: Thanks, Homer.
1: Yeah, uh, and there's a lot more esoteric things that the Greeks gave to us, too, like the concept that the uh, the the universe is, is laid out in a rational way.
0: Or how about that we have two different selves, uh, a higher self mm-hmm. that thinks of things like... Uh, spirituality and pursues knowledge and then there's a lower self which mm-hmm. is gravitating toward baser instincts like our Sex, sexual appetites addiction, and yeah. addiction physical desires. Yeah. I'm, I'm desires. Very much
1: driven by the lower self unfortunately. It's something I struggle with.
0: Forging forward.
1: But um yeah, so so since the universe is, you know, uh, laid out uh, through reason, we can use reason irrational rational inquiry to explore it, right?
0: Yeah, and what's fascinating about the Greeks is that they didn't always have this erudite civilization. No,
1: there, there's something called the Greek Dark Ages.
0: Yeah, which was fascinating to me because I associate terms like Dark Ages and Renaissance with Britain, essentially. Mm-hmm. But apparently, this was a cycle that happened in Greece long before it ever did over in England. Uh, we're talking back in um Right around 1100, 1100 BC. B.C., yeah, uh, the Mycenaean Empire inexplicably crumbled, and these right. have been people of, of learning and trade and It was and a high culture. civilization,
1: to be sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, and then all of a sudden, the lights just went out.
1: Yeah, and, and basically, Greece turned inward for about 500 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, all trade ceased, um, politics ceased. It was basically... It, it, it was licking its wounds almost. And then about 600 B.C., we have the Olympics. We have Homer writing the Iliad. It's just this huge explosion of knowledge.
0: Right. And this is what we identify as classical Greece. Right. And the, we, the
1: Greece that we know of.
0: Right. we also see the birth of the Democratic Republic,
1: mm-hmm. one of um, the
0: most famous hallmarks of ancient Greek culture.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, the Socratic method of teaching. Um. The, basically, uh, f- uh, physicians weren't weren't around yeah, before then. Yeah, so,
0: Hippocrates, father yeah, of medicine. Yeah.
1: So, so the Greeks gave us pretty much everything that we base our world on now. And frankly, uh, f- I I guess the way I would put it is that before the Greeks, you know, started dropping knowledge on the world scene, everybody on the planet was just running around like a bunch of idiots. So I would say, is that fact or fiction?
0: Well, Josh, it's not entirely an an impossible theory, but there was actually a civilization that influenced the Greeks to an incredible extent. And I know hold the phone. We're talking about the Chemites and these are the people of ancient Egypt. And, you know, we all know what ancient Egypt was responsible for. You know, we have the pyramids, we have the Sphinx, we have incredible knowledge and fields like um, astronomy and, and medicine. There was a, a very ancient, I guess, medicine practitioner, Imhotep, and his observations about disease and, and the human physiology would later influence even Hippocrates when he right. became the father of medicine in No, I mean,
1: you, and we've talked about the pyramids before and, how, and the, uh, the wonders of the world, that kind of thing. This is like ancient, remote antiquity, though, isn't it? How could it possibly influence the Greeks?
0: Well, essentially, they weren't so isolated from the Greeks. The Greeks knew that the Chemites were doing a pretty good scholarly thing over in their corner of the world, and so they would actually travel to Egypt for university, essentially, and they would go and and study with the Chemites. There was actually a a 40-year program that scholars (laughs) were expected to follow. It's a pretty serious commitment, and this 40-year program turned out a man who essentially was both scholar and priest.
1: Who? Oh, well, no, no, no! Man <laughs> in general.
0: That was the idea. Scholar gotcha. slash priest. That and is.
1: That's kind of a long program, especially considering the life expectancy for that time. Probably wasn't too terribly longer than forty years.
0: No, and as far as we know, no one from Greece completed the program. I think that Pythagoras got the farthest. Was it Pythagoras? Yeah, he did twenty three years. Wow. Yeah.
1: So so what you're saying is that the Greeks actually traveled to Egypt to learn. They didn't come up with their ideas on their own.
0: Well, not exactly. It would sort of be like, you know, going to university today and taking a class in literature Mm -hmm. and then essentially, you know, taking the fundamentals that you learn about reading poetry and understanding allegory and symbolism, and then later on, 20 years down the road, interpreting a brand new poem with these fundamentals that you that you honed in so. right. class under experts, essentially. And they had this system called the cometic Mystery System, and this comprised math and writing and physical science and religion and the supernatural, and this relates back to the idea of the scholar-priest that I was talking about earlier. And the notion was that you 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 would take all these different components of intelligence and sort of amalgamate them into really rational explanations about the universe. And one of the first Greek scholars to go over and study with the Chemites was able to harness these skills, take them back, and he used his knowledge to accurately predict a solar eclipse. And he showed the Greeks how you could measure the distance of a ship at sea.
1: That would get someone's attention.
0: Precisely. And it lent credibility to the system. And so you had more and more people going over to Egypt to study. People like Hippocrates, Pythagoras, Socrates, Plato. They Mm -hmm. all went
1: Well, let me ask you this, then. Did the Greeks, like, hide the fact that that they went to Africa to learn? Uh, Why don't we know this? I mean, why do we thank the Greeks and not the, the Chemites?
0: There's a couple of theories behind this. And the first is that the idea of enlightenment and that movement also originated out of Europe. And that really pushed the idea upon people that intelligence was about rationality. It had nothing to do with ideas pertaining to the supernatural or to spirituality. So there was a very strict dichotomy there. And that could very well explain why more credence wasn't lent to the comedic mystery system. Because Because
1: it did include science and metaphysics or the supernatural. Yeah.
0: Europe was looking for scholars. They weren't really looking for scholar priests.
1: So the Greeks basically just took the rational reason part out of their their what they were taught.
0: Yes and no. I think that that was the part that they honed, and that was the part that was appreciated gotcha. in scholarly circles, and Important. that was, I guess, passed down through generations of scholars. But there's also a, a more controversial explanation for that, too. Mm, I like
1: the sound of that.
0: You like the sound of controversy? Yeah. Well, hold on to your seat. <laughs> Um, Another thing that emerged out of Europe was prejudice toward the African continent. And I I feel pretty safe in saying that because we've all read stories about, you know, colonial exploits in that continent. Mm -hmm. You know, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness is is one of my favorite. Well, not my favorite, but it's a very poignant example of what uh, a wealthy and learned people's interpretation of of natives is you know Mm -hmm. these people are living in land that they don't you know they don't know what value it holds monetarily they're not using their full capabilities of their minds and bodies and so i think a lot of europeans and westerners in general thought these people couldn't possibly have come up with something so sophisticated as things like astronomy or math but in fact they did and so there have been plenty of scholars these days and, you know, plenty of activists who have been setting to right the wrongs of these past perceptions. And so we are starting to re-recognize, not to stutter, re-recognize <laughs> the contributions of the Chemites.
1: Well, that's good. Thank you. Thanks for clearing that up. My higher and lower self both thank you for that.
0: And Just the hand wave is fine. <laughs> if you want to learn even more about the Chemites, you can read Did the Ancient Greeks Get Their Ideas from the Africans on HowStuffWorks.com.